Welcome to Beyond Synth. Please note, Beyond Synth is an explicit program and may contain inappropriate language. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Hey there, welcome to the show. My name is Andy Last and you are listening to Beyond Synth. This is episode 91 and it's a special episode today because a few years ago I had Adam McNabb on the show and we did a special episode where we talked about our favorite Super Nintendo games. Adam McNabb is of course the, the lead singer of Le Cassette. We had a lot of fun and we always talked about doing it again, talking about our favorite N64 games and so... This is going to be a sort of special episode because instead of waiting for the guest, Adam is actually here right now. (laughs) (laughs) We're live coming from... I tried tried so bad to not sneeze as I ended that sentence. (laughs) That was perfect. Welcome. Yes. Hello. I am the quick, quick... <laughs> you dirty old twat. Oh my god. Oh dear. How are you, mate? I'm good. How have you been? You got a cold? <laughs> Maybe we're talking just like post sneeze voice. Give me a second. No, I'm fine, man. You got another one coming? Uh, hopefully not. <laughs> I can't believe it's been three years. Yeah, it's been a long time since we've done, like, a solo show. So I should point out that, uh, you know, because every Christmas episode, Lucaset has been on for three years in a row. This year, we didn't do a Lucaset show, and I compensated for that by doing uh, the 15 guests of Christmas. It was like a five-hour, five-and-a-half-hour show. Uh, Joe Wood was on it from Lucaset. Five-and-a-half-hour show? Well, there was 15 guests and a few surprise guests, right? Because uh, Perturbator was on there and hadn't talked to him in like three years and Miami Nights 1984. And- Bloody hell, how many suicides were there reported in that five <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. How is Perturbator anyway? Oh, put the, put the, put the. Uh, he's okay. He's going to come back on because I, I wanted to have like a proper catch up with him. Yeah, I need to talk to him at all. I need to know where, where was my invite when you were in Leeds. When, when did he play in Leeds? Oh, last year. Joe told me, he goes, Adam, do you know uh, James is uh, over in um, Leeds playing? I'm like, no. <laughs> Checked it and I was like, messaged him, got note back. Cheers, James. <laughs> Terrible. I'll let him off. He's a good lad. Yeah. <laughs> I should point out that Beyond Synth is brought to you by downtojam.com, which is a free website that helps musicians around the world connect based on musical compatibility. All right, if you're a musician looking for a partner to jam with or to fill a spot in your band, you're going to want to check out this site and sign up down to jam.com, D O W N T O J A M.com. What do you think about that? McNabb. It reminded me of that South Park episode, you know, when the homeless people came to uh, South Park. Mm-hmm. Like, can you spare any change? I just got jam. Can you spare any jam? <laughs> it just reminded you just sounded like you just sounded like a homeless person. Like, <laughs> are you going to sign up for downtojam.com? You know, if you're looking for a partner to jam with or to fill a spot in your band, right? You can go to downtojam. Did you know that? Did you make this up? <laughs> are you reading it from somewhere? I got it. I got it all in the noggin now. It's completely memorized. So, hang on. Have you created this page thing then, or is it? Is this just something that you found? What down to jam? Yeah. No, it's a it's a real thing. Sounds good. 
Yeah, it's, it's a neat idea. It's like a social networking site for musicians. Yeah. See if people are looking for a partner to jam with or to fill a spot in their band. Uh, that's they good, can yeah. sign up to downtojam.com. Do they have to commit all the time once they're in the band, or can they float around? Well, I imagine people are people, right? If someone doesn't want to be in the band anymore, I don't know how a website could hold them. <laughs> I'm not in a band, so I've never actually like signed up. I've looked at the website, though. Sign up to it and see what they say. Anyways, listen. Sorry. Today is all about us talking about our favorite N64 games, and we're going to listen to some music. So we're going to listen to a track now, and then when we come back, we'll fucking start this thing up, man. How about that? Yeah? What, what, what track is it? Uh, we're going to listen to a track by, I don't even know how to say this, M-A-D-E-S. I don't know if they want it said Maids, or if I'm supposed to say M-A-D-E-S, but this is a cool track. It's called Awakening.
And that was Awakening by M-A-D-E-S or Maids. Or Madders. Or Madders. Where, where are they from? That's a very good question. It's the Mediterranean going Madders. That's true. Isn't it? I should probably know this. It's tricky, right? Because I get so many like emails and people sending me stuff that like I can't... Half the time I can barely match up a person's real name to their band name, let alone like where the fuck they're from. And that's why you are not a professional journalist <laughs> or interviewer. I am not. It's uh, one you of the many do a things. lot of research into these bands, Andy, if they're sending you the stuff. Well, they should give you the information that you require. Oh, they do. Some of them do. But, well, you know, when I get a press release, what's important to me is if the music's good. So if someone sends me a press release that's this giant PDF file, the most important thing to me is just, is the music cool? That's why if you haven't had one from us for a while... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would love. I would love to see a Lucaset press release right about now. Anyways, dude, let's fucking start this thing here. So I made a list of a whole bunch of games because N sixty four. Even though you know I owned a Super Nintendo and a Super Nintendo was the first system I bought, but I feel like the N sixty four was the system that I played the most. I feel like I played more, even though N64 didn't have as big of a library as Super Nintendo, I felt like N64 existed more around the time where I had money and all my friends seemed to have a 64 and so we got to play lots of different games and stuff. It was revolutionary, wasn't it? It was. I think when um, when I used to have the Nintendo magazines, I used to look at all the SNES games that were coming out and then all of a sudden they were like saying, tune into next month's edition when we're talking about the N64 and I'm like shit the bed the graphics were stunning and you thought it was just like the reinvention of a wheel or something you know like you just been five at first time absolutely incredible and it shows you all obviously because Super Mario came out with it and um, Mario Kart and it was showing you all the graphics oh stunning stunning I, I, I couldn't agree with you more there Andy I still feel that the N64 it was in my lifetime anyways a jump that I really felt I mean we've probably talked about this before you know the difference between you know PlayStation 3 and 4 and how yeah. you know now the jumps don't feel as as big as they used to it's more about renders and textures in it now oh thanks to this upgrade you can now have a, like, you know when they compare Skyrim or when they do graphic comparisons now it's just an absolute bore isn't it like especially like when you look at IGN stuff or whatever and they do it I'm like why are you actually showing a game comparison of Watch Dogs 2 mm. with the PS4 and the PS4 Pro online you can't even tell the difference whatsoever it's pointless yeah yeah unless you have like a 4k screen you can and then it has to be a 4k stream and then yeah exactly there's no point no and uh, the thing is too because I do I do have a PlayStation Pro and what I've noticed is it's actually surprised me because, you know, there's certain games, I mean, I've talked about this before, but I mean, there's certain games that offer you a few different options, right? Like play the game at a 4K resolution or play the game with a few more visual effects or higher quality textures. Zoom ready, you mean, yeah? Yeah, uh, I think also uh, um, Shadows of Mordor does it and uh, the infamous game does it. But uh, what I noticed going in, I, I thought that I would be more impressed by doing the higher graphical option because even if you do 4K on 1080 it does sort of like smooth some of the jagged diagonal lines and stuff Yeah. but I found that the thing that I noticed more was the frame rate so if there's an option to increase the frame rate of a game, that to my eye looks like more of an improvement than the uh, the actual texture upgrades because they're subtle. Like the PlayStation Pro is only like subtly more powerful than a PlayStation 4 so it's not a huge fucking jump. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers. Yeah, well done. Well done, mate. Cheers. I went into a I went into a game store the other day, right, and this guy was like saying, So, you know, if I had to buy a between a PS4 and a PS4 Pro, is it like better and like graphically? 
And the guy was like saying, oh yeah, much more better. I'm like, well if he's got a fucking old TV, it's not going to make any difference, is it, you daft bastard? So yeah. just, just buy a PS4. What's up with you? Just don't, don't splash out on loads more money for the sake of a few extra things, you know what I mean? It's just, just in my head. In. Yeah, see for me, uh, you know, the reason why I did the upgrade was because usually every console life cycle I do upgrade to either the slim model or whatever i mean like my first playstation 3 died so i had to switch to a slim what was that the back compatible one yeah the big fat one worth quite a bit them out still well mine's dead i have a buddy who has his launch playstation 3 and it still works like we were playing on it the other day and i'm like is this a fucking launch ps3 it's like 40 gigs or something and it's like this giant fucking football like that thing's nuts so have a big generator in the back yeah <laughs> it uses those plugs that you have to you know when you plug your refrigerator into the wall it's like a big it's a fatter cable you know okay no. <laughs> just the, but uh yeah i was surprised i'm just like really like i thought as much as people complained about the red ring of death with the xbox everybody i know's playstations died like i think i knew like three or four people whose playstation 3s died but it was never an issue as um, public as the xbox red ring of death yeah but uh, everyone's fat ps threes i know died so. so sorry are we talking about n64s <laughs> or, are we just just basically just talking about our general interests all right i'll tell you what well because we got to catch up right you and i haven't talked in a long time and i always enjoy having been you on a while, the program Andy. i would have you on every week if it Maybe were possible. because i've been avoiding you but <laughs> i like how i simultaneously say a nice thing and then you're simultaneously <laughs> 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 well, how about this? We will talk about N64 after we listen to another track, okay? Oh, for fuck's sake. Well, we got a lot, a lot of music to listen to today, man. Lots of cool tracks. Go so here's on, a man. track. Uh, here's a track Slap from a, from, <laughs> from a group called Magic Mountain. Uh, this is more of a kind of a new wave sort of uh, vibe and guitars and things, but I always like when there's a bit of a, you know, a, a synth in there uh, as well. And this is a track called Berlin by Magic Mountain.
And that was Berlin by Magic Mountain off the album <laughs> Innocence. Like that, you <laughs> That's my uh, coming out of a track voice. Fucking hell. <laughs> we'll get used to it. Fucking. <laughs> There's no need for love it. Love it or leave it, you. Anyway. Right, well, the next track that comes on, I'm going to give you a scenario and you're going to act it out in your voice. All right. Talking about. The next track. Well, so, someone did a someone did a mail uh, wrote into the mailbag or the mail sack, and I read the whole thing in my like solid snake voice. And his sack. Yeah, the mail sack. Get it? It's a really funny pun. Let's talk about some fucking uh, some N sixty four games, man. So let, thank God, there let, we go. There he <laughs> is. So first, we just got to listen to another track, and then shut uh, up, Andy. <laughs> All right, man. Well, you you start off. Tell me, tell me one of yours. We'll talk about. There's some amazing games out there, but like, it's got to be. Oh man, I'm torn between Super Mario 64 for like the one that was like the top top, or Zelda Ocarina of Time. Mm-hmm. I tell you what, let's go with Ocarina of Time. Even though Mario Super Mario 64 was like one of the launch games, wasn't it? No, we'll go with Super Mario 64. I thought that one because that was the first game that I got. Let's preface this whole list by saying like the list that I made was basically just all the games I liked. So we don't necessarily have to make this like a what was the best as opposed to just... We could say at the end, can't we? Which we out of all the games we played, what would be your top Yeah, three? because every game, even, even the ones that weren't necessarily the best, if it was like fun to play. I mean, like I was talking the other day about playing those, the Wrestle Mania games yes. and like they're they're technically really stupid looking terrible games but they were a lot of fun it was squares yeah but I loved it when you when you smash someone over the head with a chair and there'd just be a, a splatter of blood and he'd <laughs> just rub it with his head with his hand and it'd fall, fall over, over. Yeah. <laughs> well yeah alright Let's start again then. Say that again. So we're going to talk about... Obviously, uh, Mario uh, 64 is a great place to start because it was the first game I played because at the time, that I remember the systems were expensive, but I had a buddy who won a hockey raffle or something. He went to a hockey game, won money, and then the first thing he did yeah. was go and buy the N64. And so we went to his house for his birthday and the second I saw Mario 64, I was just fucking blown away. Like, it just blew me away. It's probably the only console where I actually took my time unboxing it you know, like really delicately, mm-hmm. like just taking the wrapper out of the console and plugging it in the back. And you know, I've, I looked after my box. I don't know, like the games, I've still got the games that have been conditioned, just like looking after it. It's the only console where I've actually thought, you know, I took pleasure in looking after it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, your master systems and your mega drives, you just throw the box away or whatever and just trample up, throw the console all over the place. But that was the first one. And like, I spent about three hours I didn't even go into the game I spent about three hours just moulding Mario's face on the front (laughs) mate it was incredible I think I was just literally I was awestruck at the graphics I I literally I thought I I thought I died and come in someone is that the way that expression goes (laughs) edit that bit out but anyway yeah when when I saw that I was just like basically just you know I thought it was yeah, I felt the same way. Like, in my life, there's key moments where, you know, I played a certain game for the first time. You said time. in my life, there's chemo. <laughs> what does that, that even that? mean? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what you meant. I don't know where you were going with that. <laughs> so there's key moments. Okay. Yeah, key moments, right? So I remember um, seeing uh, my neighbor rented a, a Nintendo, regular Nintendo, and I remember going over to the house and seeing Super Mario World for the first time yeah. on the regular Nintendo and just going like, oh, this is so cool. Like, you can play these at home. Like, it just sort of blew my mind. Uh, Super Nintendo was the same thing when I saw Super Mario World, people playing Street Fighter 2. Just remember going like, wow, this looks like a cartoon. Like, it looks so good. And uh, Mario 64 was one of those 
fucking moments where just the second I saw it, it was just like, what the fuck? And even though we, I don't even think we were playing multiplayer games. Like we just spent all night, this whole group of us at my friend's birthday, just taking turns playing Mario 64. I don't think I even shared it with anyone. I just, I didn't want anyone to touch it. <laughs> but like, even with the controllers, I'd said to people, because you're not meant to like flick the controller because you'd loosen it in the middle, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. So they spring it eventually like go or something so if i ever said to we ever make sure to say like when we played on each other's you know controllers we knew not to like flick it and move it to one side and let go yeah you have to like bring it back in and we used to shout people used to do that i think we lost so many friends doing that i don't think there was a way to save n64 controllers like those things just filled with powder mate you should see my my look amazing i've got a yellow one some oh a yellow one somewhere and a blue one and still in fairly good nick Well, that's pretty impressive. All of mine got fucked. Like we talked about before about upgrading systems. I remember halfway through my N64 playing, I I sold my old one and bought the Donkey Kong one that was green. Yeah. Just because it also came with a new controller. So I sort of thought like, okay, this exact same reason why I bought the PlayStation Pro. It was like, hey, I'm going to get a new controller and a bigger hard drive. It was like, you know, I was sort of weighing all the options. But those controllers I always felt were just... um, I don't know, like just like they had like a life cycle of like about a month or two before they just filled up with that white powder. Cocaine. Yeah, and then you snorted it. Fucking hell, mate. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have hung around with you if you were having <laughs> shit controllers like that for a month. I, I'd be staying to my mate, stay away from that clown. He fucking ruins your controllers. <laughs> fucking hell. Canadian fucking thumbs, man. Listen, we're going to listen to another track and we're going to keep talking. Right, can you say this now in a perplexed manner as if like you just ran out of toilet paper and you'd wondered why. <laughs> Wait, okay. I'm I'm perplexed that I've run out of toilet paper and wonder why. But I'm a smart enough guy to know that if I'm out of toilet paper, it's probably because I used it all. No, 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 because you're sleeping. So you're sleeping. You've done a really, like, awful <laughs> shit where it's like... So I'm shit there. the bed? What do you mean? <laughs> no, you're in the toilet. And, <laughs> what am um, I sleeping on the toilet? <laughs> no, no, you've woken up because you needed a shit. And oh, you I see. A shit, but it was too runny. So you've used up all the toilet paper to wipe your ass in one roll. But you couldn't... Just fucking say the track, Andy. Fuck's sake, I'm too tired for this shit. We got to... I hope you're ready for another fucking two hours of recording. (laughs) Well, I'm going after one. I'm just going to leave my headphones on. Um, okay. Just talk to thin air. Laserhawk uh, came out with a new album recently, and it's really good, and you should check it out. And here is an awesome track from Laserhawk's album Dream Rider. This is Somnus.
And that was Somnus by Laserhawk. Oh, fucking hell. Oh, God. You just pulled your finger out your ass when you were saying that. <laughs> That's me being perplexed. Said, well, I'm out of toilet paper. I got to figure something out. Uh, Laserhawk came out with an album called Dream Rider, and it's really cool. I dig it. It's got a nice, uh, it's got a cool vibe to it. Lovely. Yeah, it's good. Have you listened to it? Oh, look at the time. <laughs> Oh, two hours is up now. No, I haven't, mate. I haven't. I, you know what, mate? I've just been out of the scene for ages because there's so many bloody artists now. Mm-hmm, there is. And I've been off Facebook. I've been off Facebook for about a year. Did you have a good year? Eh? Did you have a good year away from Facebook? Yeah. Yeah. It was ace. It got, like I got a new lease of life. It, like I'd been freed from jail. I felt like Nelson Mandela. <laughs> so... <laughs> I like that he's got a theme song. Did you know the song? That's a song? Oh, Nelson Mandela. No, I don't know that song. Have a look, have a look. Who's it by? I don't know, just put song Nelson Mandela song. Well, I'll do it later. Let's, um... I want to have a look now, quickly, just... if I'm right otherwise I've just made something up and I've just looked stupid okay while while you're looking that up I should also say that we do have another sponsor for the show you've changed man <laughs> it's like GTA 5 you go away for it for about six months when you come back there's loads of new stuff that's overwhelming and you just don't want to play it anymore and trade it back in it's going to trade here we go the specials Nelson Mandela by the specials 1984 oh well I'll have to give it a listen yeah you will <laughs> Anyways, listen, the show today is also brought to you by Vailingo.com. What? <laughs> Sounds like a vaginal cream. Yes, I'm sure the sponsor will like that. This is the... <laughs> well, you can, you can edit that out if you want. No way. Uh, I'm going to read a thing now. You're going to make fun of me for it. Well, you you wanted to interview me. <laughs> you know what was going to happen. This, this is quite the interview. <laughs> you love the Drive soundtrack, right? Even after five years, you probably still play it a couple times a month. You've probably memorized every colorful synth and ecstatic arp and every nook and cranny of every song. And the vocals. Those gorgeous vocals. But do you know the story behind the album and what the artists think of it now? What impact did Drive have on the lives of college, Electric Youth, Johnny Jewel, and Cliff Martinez? For that matter, how did Drive change the careers of musicians like Miami Nights 1984, May Thelvin, Profiles, and Highway Superstar? You can find out all of that and more at Vilingo.com, your place for all those things that make you dance, cry, and fall in love. Where big-time composers hang out with up-and-coming producers, go to driveat5.com. That's D-R-I-V-E-A-T-F-A-V-F-A-V? Fuck. D-R-I-V-A-T-F-I-V-E dot com. Drive at five dot com. Check it out if you like the synth wave. Andy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can't you just record it as a massive clip instead of reading it out whilst you're talking to me? No. <laughs> that was just... Because then you don't fuck it up, do you? It's very unprofessional that you fucked it up. <laughs> They've probably paid you £2.50 to have that in the show. 
Which is actually money well spent. If uh... driveit5.com, buddy. So, how did you figure out this secret about keeping the fucking controllers in good condition? Because all of mine got fucked. Everybody I know had fucked up controllers. The same way that you have all the secret of how you have at least one listener listening to your show. Hey, man, there's there's at least eight, okay? So fuck you, all right? <laughs> I'm just jealous. I can name uh, them by mate, name. you just keep your thumb on the stick. Just keep it on the stick. Yeah. But I know what you mean about the powder. Like, I used to play um, Goldeneye with that, and my control used to get white powder in the middle, but just don't do it so vigorously. Have you got... Have you got... Oh, I'm not even... Oh, no. Were you about to make a masturbation joke? No, no, no. I was going to say, have you got autism, but... <laughs> So not a masturbation. Sorry, I, I was taking the uh, the lazy approach, I suppose. No, 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 I just looked after him, mate. I'm telling you now, that N64 is the only console, and probably the PS4, yeah, are the only consoles that I've, I've genuinely looked after. The GameCube, I enjoyed. We can talk about that another time. I just looked after everything. Everything was like, I used to put them on the shelf. They used to, look, I used to dust them, spick and spam. Mm. Oh, hang on, I've still got my Rumble pack. Yeah, I've got my blue one up here, and it's still amazing. I've got the Rumble pack still in it. I ended up selling uh, a lot of stuff. The only thing I still have is Conker's Bad Fur Day and Perfect Dark in their boxes, and they're pretty good condition, but... Sitting on a gold mine. You're sitting on your pension fund right there. But they were sitting on the shelf... For such a long time that, like, the other day when I went to lift up the box of Conker's Bad Fur Day, it was sort of, like, stuck to the shelf a bit. That, my friend, is a classic case of damp. Yeah, that's possible. You should put it in a box, mate. Why are you, why are you putting it in Well, because I'm not a fucking... A I'm not, why are you putting it... <laughs> I'm not, like, a collector guy, you know? I'm not, like, sitting there, like, now in this hermetically sealed case, I've got my, you know... Well, neither am I, but, you know, it's common sense, mate. If you've got the damp, <laughs> don't put wood or... Bloody yes, I made a mistake. I'm tell- I'm just being honest here. I made a fucking mistake. No, I, I fucked no, up at really it. Really me up. Do you know how many people are craving for craving out, <laughs> calling out for boxes to put in the cartridge at the moment? <laughs> I know lots of people who are calling out for boxes. Yeah, vaginas. <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> so yeah, so Mario Six. I tell you what, as well, the boss fight was amazing. The arena. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, how about this? We're gonna listen to a track and then we'll talk all about it. How Don't, about Andy. We've only just started on one game. <laughs> Can we talk a bit more about Mario 64? We're going to. We no, we're going to after we listen to this track. But you're just wasting time. I'm not wasting any time. There's never a waste of time to listen to great synthwave music. <laughs> <laughs> this next song. Here, <laughs> here is oh, a track. I'm a pleb. Here eh? is a track uh, by Maya, and this is a track called Running to You.
was Running to You by Maya. That's a good song. I dig it. I'm here with Adam McNabb from Lucasette. We're talking about N64 games. Is that the remix one, or is that the uh, the normal Maya one? It's the normal one. Because Kalax. Kalax? Kalax? I say Kalax, but I don't know how he says it. Kalax. Sure. Kalaxes. Yeah, he's done a remix, hasn't he? Oh, I've never heard it. Maybe I should check it out. Well, being a journalist, you should really. I am not a journalist. I don't know why you keep thinking I am. Well, you're a fucking... You're something. You're definitely something. I can't. Right. Quite <laughs> it, I, I, I don't know if it's out yet though. Have I? Have I just? No, no, no. Because he's done a little snippet on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. He's done a little snippet. It might be the same track. I don't know. Mm. 
I might, I might have just totally made that up, mate. I don't know what's going on. Well, I'll have to do some research. It's important to maintain my journalistic integrity, and so... Mario 64, yes, that's where we were. So we're talking about the boss fight. Are you talking about the three times you got to fight Koopa? Yes. Because I love that. It's uh, so cool, wasn't And the it? music is great. Uh, what was your favorite level in there? Or do you think... Is there, no, is there no level in there in particular that you... I was more fond of the earlier levels... Yeah. Then the later ones, like I think in Mario 64, once you kind of go up into the tower, mm. I was I was never quite as fond of those levels as I was the first few. I think I like the first winter level. Yeah, where you go where you have to slide the race the penguin, the mama penguin. Yeah, yeah, yeah the fucking needle 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 needle. Anyway, that's my impression of that level. Brilliant. Thank you. Uncanny. That level I've always really liked. I like the first level. I like the tower one where you have to shoot for the corner in the cannon. There's that one puzzle where you got to shoot yourself out of the cannon and hit the corner of that tower to smash it off and get the star. I think it's level three. The boss is the big thwomp with the band-aid on his back. No, that's the first level. No, because the first level is the one with the uh, where you where there's a pink bomb right at the start that you talk to. Yeah, where you fire the cannon at the floating island. And the boss of that one is the bomb. It's the King Bob-omb yeah. guy. Yeah. Whereas the boss in the tower one is like the swamp. He's like a big brick, right? Like a big gray brick. Of oh, course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good, good, yeah, yeah. It's the, that one that I like and that winter one. I really like the lava, the lava one. Oh, yeah, yeah, where you ride the turtle shell. Mm-hmm. And even uh, Boo's Castle, uh, Boo's Mansion was a good one as well. Remember that one. What I love when I think back uh, to that game, too, is just, A, it was like this revolutionary thing, and you, you played the game in such different ways, and I remember doing those puzzles and being so blown away by the, the idea of like this fully sort of 3D game, like when you're wall jumping, and there were some puzzles where you really had to do like a three-dimensional wall jump, where you're like pulling back on a diagonal to like flip, especially in, in Boo's Castle, I think there was like a puzzle like that, where you jump off a yeah. wall and you have to do like a weird arcing backwards diagonal flip to land on the little platform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was just neat the way that the system opened up those new styles of play. And what I loved was that Mario 64 was also a really big game. It was huge, wasn't it? Like, it was the launch game, lots of levels, lots of fucking replay value. It it was just this... It was just so good. Did you get the all the uh, 120... Is it 120 stars? Yep. Good for you. I think that was the thing that pissed me off, though, because towards the end of the game, some of those levels, just getting the 100 coins was, like, such a pain in the ass. Yeah. Especially, like, the yeah, fucking yeah. Rainbow Ride one. Like, right towards the end of the game, some of them were... There literally only was 100 coins. It was a fucker. Yeah. Uh, did you get? Did you see Yoshi at the top of the castle as well, then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It used to give you, like, unlimited... Was it 99 lives or something? Yeah, I mean, at that point in time, you didn't even need them, but it was nice that it was like... Oh, yeah, it's showing off. But I liked... Uh, I, I think what I liked the most about what 64 sort of brought, because even though there were, there were game worlds in the Super Nintendo and earlier that gave you, like, open-ended sort of open-world sort of experiences, yeah. Mario 64 was the first one where I really felt that there was an atmosphere. You know what I mean? Like when you're outside of the castle and you're hearing the uh, the birds chirp and the wind and then you're like flying around and stuff. I just I remember feeling like it felt like a place. Yeah. And did you ever feel as though like what's on the other side of that hill? I wonder if I can try and triple jump and do this on this part of the wall and get over that. You know, trying to like go over that bit where it's not, you know, you're not meant to. Mm-hmm. Do you get me? I was trying to like always trying to do that and I could never do it. But obviously, because you weren't supposed to. But I just thought maybe... 
which may be I could get over there. The 64 was sort of the first system I played that offered you a glimpse of like the horizon. I mean, like I know there's always going to be nerds who are going to be like, oh, what about, you know, and they'll give you some example of some fucking 3DO game no one ever played. But for me, I'm, I'm always just talking about, look, when, when stuff hits the mainstream and it becomes part of like the mainstream kind of culture, like those are the examples I use because it always, it always annoys me when you talk about a, a cool thing that happened and there's always got to be that nerd that's like, well, technically in fucking Laser Blaze uh, for Nintendo, you know, like, yeah, okay, but no one fucking played Laser Blaze, asshole. So like, <laughs> it, it doesn't count because it was the same with, um, with Goldeneye, right? When I was so excited that Goldeneye had a sniper rifle, and there's always got to be a nerd that's like, technically they stole it from MDK. I'm like, fuck you. Like, it's a really good nerd impression. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's actually really good. I felt as though I was there with him, ready to punch your face. <laughs> yeah, Goldeneye was class. Well, if we're going to talk about that, we're going to uh, we're going to listen to another track, and then we'll fucking uh, we'll keep going. Crying out loud! This is a music show, you know. People, <laughs> people get upset. Not many, not a lot of listeners. Uh, listen, there's eight. Okay, I swear to Christ, I can name them to you. There's Yan. Have they all got one ear between them? <laughs> Here's a track <laughs> by Inflatable Robot, and this is a track called. That'd be a good idea, wouldn't it? Infl- having an inflatable robot. <laughs> yes, it would. Have you not seen the film uh, Big Hero Six? Yeah. Inflatable robot in that. Is that is that where he's got it from? Then? I am not sure. I don't think so. Um, but uh, who knows, man? Maybe I'll ask him. You might have blown his cover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, they're on to me. Here's a here's a cool track. This is a strings and sinew by Inflatable Robot.
that was Inflatable Robot with the track Strings and Sinew. And that's a cool song. I think that dude played live with like um, makeup and vanity sets. Oh, I cool. Think. I think that's how he, how he got in touch with me anyways. Uh, but that's a cool track. He makes a, a sort of interesting music. But in the meantime, we today, myself and Adam McNabb from Lucaset are talking about N64 and our favorite uh, N64 memories and stuff like that. Yeah. So we're on Goldeneye now. Yeah, we can go to Goldeneye. <laughs> of course, Goldeneye I could talk about for like fucking two years. Like I, that is probably one of my favorite games of all time. Like it's, it's very important to me. Yeah, it's up there, isn't it? Hang on, hang on a minute. Let's let's let's, let's, let's sort this out. I mean, hang on. Please, can you respond to this email ASAP with your travel expenses for yesterday? If over ten pound travel required. What are you doing? Fucking got to respond to this dude. Um. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll say while Adam is. Uh, is checking his email. Sorry, man. I've got, this, I've got my important things to worry about. <laughs> Your 10-pound travel expenses? Yeah. <laughs> well, how about this? Let's uh, let's go to the Patreon and, uh, and do some shout-out to my lovely Patreon donors while Adam uh, reads his email. Yeah, do that, mate. Do that. So, guys, listen, Beyond Synth has a Patreon. If you don't know what that is, that's a way you can sponsor the show and uh, donate to the show. Every little amount helps, and we got some goals to reach to make the show even bigger and better. And if you, uh, you know, donate a certain amount, there's certain prizes or rewards. They're all shitty, but they're there. So if you like the show and want to support Beyond Synth, go to Beyond or go to, fuck, go to patreon.com slash Beyond Synth. So now let's... Yeah, uh, go back, mate. Sorry, you should, you should really just... Do a, a, just a recording clip of it, mate. <laughs> then you're not fucking up. You're acting like it's your first time on radio or something. I think that's that's the charm of Beyond Synth is because I'm always that way. All right, so we'll just we're going to go through this uh, real quick here. But um, I want to thank everyone for donating to Beyond Synth. Of course, there's Power Eighty Five. And uh, Brendan Kellum, Ravonia, Bending Unit 22, Lunar Baboon, Knox Bello, Terrence Thompson, Nathan Winter, Russ Nyes, Data Suck, Seach, The Fear Merchant, Kanaz, Argen1981, Russell Hugo, New Gat Ninja, Kyle, Night Raptor, Mitch Wiseman, Katner, Girls with Tails, Zychorax, I90RR, Python Blue, Lou, Eric Valerio, Tomas Shabubinichek, Common Sense, Chris Schmokel. Now let's go to my lovely $5 Pattersons. There's Kai, Saloya, X Riz Music, Joe and Lando, Roman, Devious Raven, Bobby B, John Eternal, Dougie Fresh, Lame Robot, Mono Memory, Replicant 81, Florence Bullock, Matthew Lister, Simon Norberg, Hellroy, Lucas Ceballos, who just edited their donation, so now I got two people donating the donation of the 
the Beast, $6.66. Satan. And here are my lovely $10 Pattersons. There's Jake Lass, Trevor Resnick, Colin Bennett, Fraser Davidson, Victor Garza, Ezra Van Dam, Winfield, Will Lowe, and Jacob Wick. I want to thank everybody for donating to the Beyond Synth Patreon. It means a lot to me. Because he doesn't have a job. (laughs) (laughs) Have you got a round of applause sound in the back as well going... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every time you make a joke? No, no, I thought you were just going to have load. No, no. When people are talking and you're telling them how much you've, they've given you because they feel sorry for you, I thought you were going to have like, a, <laughs> like a round of applause, like like a rolling wave of applause. And also, um, did you like my music? I did. It was very good. There's going to be two musics going on because there's the beyond. There's the Patreon theme that's playing in the background and then people will also get the added bonus of you. Oh, no, don't worry about that. No, you just use my one that I gave you here to just mute me out if you want, mate. <laughs> I'm not muting any of this. Because you're fucking lazy, that's why. (laughs) Nelson Mandela. I didn't even know that was a thing. What? The Nelson Mandela song. Mate. Is this possibly the worst show about N64 that's ever been (laughs) released? I think people are going to enjoy it. They're also going to enjoy this track by Billy May's band. No, 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 come on, mate. Goldeneye. Here's a track. <laughs> Did you ever, right, in multiplayer, I thought, yeah, Goldeneye was class, right? Did you ever play the multiplayer when I used to, I love multiplayer, in the facility mm-hmm. when you used to hold aim, I think you used to crouch as well on the toilet and then, like, go left. Yeah, and you'd fly and, like, back up into the vent. Yeah, Walk back, you'd, like, move back into the air vent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that was a cool thing to do. You know what else is cool? No, no tracks. Uh, <laughs> and then what else, what else, what else is there? Um, oh, yeah. Uh, proximity mines as well used to be an absolute fuck up as well. Yeah, used to, I think there was a, there was a thing you could do with a glitch where you could do something, and then you could also stack the proximity mines on top of each other. Mm. Not the proximity mines that'd fuck you up straight away, like remote mines. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I used to do that, like the pile of remote mines. Yeah, but what did you used to do? You used to have to do something in well, order for them to stack. My thing was that um, here's a track by Billy May's band called Greed. Is that what it's? Is that what you had to do? Is that what you had to do <laughs> to get the remote mines to stack on? on top of each other.
And that was Greed by Billy May's band. And I'm back with Adam McNabb from Lookasad. You know, I'm fucking going now, mate. You've 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 <laughs> you've, you've, you've soiled my trust. <laughs> That's a cool song. Um, the thing is, Goldeneye is one of those. Uh, lately, I've been very fixated. Here's a track by Lookasad. <laughs> Lately, I've been very fixated. And that was Lacassette with <laughs> You'll Never Know Because Andy is crap at his job. All right, listen. <laughs> <laughs> He's getting angry. Right, so yeah, Goldeneye. I'm very fixated lately on Goldeneye emulation. And I'm going to have, I think I'm going to have the dude on the show who's responsible for this mod. Oh, yeah. But there's this thing called Goldeneye X. Yeah. So there's a community of people who have basically made a Goldeneye sort of editor tool. And there's this thing I've talked about on the show millions of times, but it is really good. And it's basically Goldeneye, all the levels and all the weapons, but with the perfect dark engine. So it's basically like it's you can play as all the Bonds, right? Like Sean Connery, Roger Moore, they're all there. Ooh. And they've added reload animations to all the guns. Because remember in Goldeneye, your gun just sort of went off screen and came yeah, back up. Yeah, it went down, didn't it? So now, now they have all reload animations. You've got levels that were never in Goldeneye. So you can play the facility, but then you can play the other half of the facility. Has he got the circus scene from Octopussy? <laughs> No. <laughs> well, that's not fucking good. I'm, I'm not investing my time into that. You can do bots. You can have the bots just like Perfect Dark had. You can customize your character. You can, you know, save your stats and stuff. So it's a really cool mod. The, the thing is, because for me, these are all games I love. Like the N64 has so many games that, that I really love. But I'm not like a purist necessarily in that I don't need to play them on the N64. Like if I can play them on an emulator yeah. where they're in high definition and I'm using like a PlayStation controller and it like the frame rate's better. I think that's totally totally cool too yeah. and especially when I play Goldeneye I've been spending weeks on uh, getting a computer and trying to run the best emulator I could find to play Goldeneye with like a smoother frame rate and do split screen and stuff and uh, it's really tricky so is this game has he, has he, has he finished this the uh, the mod then or is he it's a continuous work in progress nice so cool. they're on version 5e right now and so every time there's something else they add. They might add another level. They might add reload animations to certain guns that didn't have them. They might fix certain glitches that were in the last version and stuff. The thing is, though, that community, they're mostly kind of purists where they you can get a thing called an EverDrive cartridge where right. you can actually put a flash you know, memory card in an N64 cartridge and actually play mods on a real N64. Oh, cool. Which is neat, but essentially, like, I played a lot of Perfect Dark as well. Like, I loved Goldeneye and I, I loved... I've never played Perfect Dark, mate. Well, Perfect Dark is really good. Yeah, I know. It's the same people that made Goldeneye, yeah. Yeah, it's the same game. I just never played it for some reason. I don't know why. Like, it's great for the options, right? Like, so you've got bots that you can customize. It had, like, reload animations. You could save your character. So you had all your kill stats and all that shit. Like, the game was, like, ahead of its time. But, of course, that all came at a cost of it playing like shit. So, uh, oh, my phone's ringing. That's pretty unprofessional as well. God damn it, every day this fucking number calls me. It's like a collection agency and it's not even for me. I have to wait till this fucking finishes. So what are they asking then? Collection? Are they asking for the money that people donate? No, they're asking... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's this thing. We are here to call on behalf of all the listeners to Beyond Synth who feel ripped off by the... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
since listening to the latest episode. But the point was, like, because uh, uh, Goldeneye, the floor player split screen still sort of ran slowly if you did lots of crazy stuff. So if you filled the screen with explosions, Goldeneye would start to run like a slideshow. Perfect Dark had bots in it. So I guess just the processing power of having, like, all these other computer characters running around could really slow the fucking thing down without you having to do anything. Like, it just would just run really slowly. What was your favorite level on Goldeneye? The facility. The facility and the stack are, are my favorites. Yeah, I did like the bunker, though. Yeah, the thing with the bunker, which is actually cool about Goldeneye X, is the bunker you could only play with three players, remember? Oh, yeah. Remember there were certain levels you couldn't do four-player with? The bunker, the archives. To do with the frame rate. I, I forget, unless those levels just weren't optimized for a multiplayer play or whatever. Yeah, the bunker is fun, and in Goldeneye X, they also unlock it so everyone can be played in four-player split-screen. And is it online multiplayer as well with this new mod, or is it? I think you can. But honestly, just to even get the damn things working is uh, such a headache. I can't imagine what it would be like trying to fucking navigate playing it online. That'd be cool, though. I'm, I'm interested to see what that'd be like. It's sent us a link, dude. No, I will for sure. And hopefully I, at some point I'm actually going to talk to the guy who's uh, behind it because it is fucking awesome. Because like when we get to talking about Goldeneye, it is like in my top 10 games of all time. And it still is to this day, even though everything's advanced, you know, in first person shooters, like the control is better. They look better. The physics are better. Everything about them is better. But when I go back and play Goldeneye, there's still something about the way that game plays that no game has tried to be like. And I tell you what as well, like going back to it, you just feel as though you can't play games. I like even the N64 controls. I was like, how the hell did we manage to play on these controllers? Yeah, it's, it's funny to me now because, like, when I play Goldeneye now, I'm always doing it with a PlayStation 4 controller. But because everything was reversed, yeah. because I played with the solitaire control style 1.2, which meant you're using the C buttons for your strafing and you're moving around with the joystick, your head. Yeah. And that's the flip side, because right, whenever you play first-person shooters now, you do the head motion with your right finger and the, mo- the strafing with the left, but the N64 is backwards. Mental. I remember that took a while to get used to when I when I made the switch to PlayStation, because I played a lot of Goldeneye. Like, a f- lot. Because I was in high school, right? I mean, like, that, that was my time. It's the same as, like, the kids now in high school are always playing Call of Duty. Like, that's going to be their nostalgic game. For me, I put you know, hundreds of hours into Goldeneye and Perfect Dark. And Perfect Dark, I knew how much time I put in because it had a fucking timer. So, and it reset. Once you hit like 12 days, like the timer would reset or something. I played it a lot. No, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't deny you playing a lot. Of you, you do? I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. No, I mean, I, I, I played a lot of hours into it as well, mate, to be honest, especially in the multiplayer bits though, with my mates. Like you say, when you get to high, when you're in high school or middle school, or whatever, you've got a lot of time on your hands, haven't you? Oh yeah. Well, we'll talk about some of our because uh, I have a I have a specific favorite memory of Goldeneye, and that w- it was the thing that sold me on the game, which we'll talk Let's about after after we listen to a track, man. So here's yeah, a I thought so. here here's a cool track. This is by Cartridge, 1987, off the album Last Escape. This is Chase.
And that was Chase by Cartridge 1987 off the album Last Escape. And I'm here with Adam McNabb. We're talking about N64 games and the good times we've had. Not together. No. <laughs> we've had some good times. Probably from your end, but not from ours. <laughs> We went out. Remember, we went out for coffee that day. You came to the city. We went to the little cafe. Yeah, and you were feeling a bit dodgy, weren't you? Didn't you feel like? Oh shit yeah, I was sick as shit you that day. You couldn't even make eye contact with me. You were like one of these. Like, have you seen Beauty and the Geek? No. I'm not saying I'm a beauty. I'm just saying I'm not saying you're a geek either. But <laughs> it but sounds like geeks, that's what's happening. You know, you know, you just didn't make eye contact with me. Like for the first ten minutes or twenty minutes or something. Like I had some on my face, but you didn't want to tell me. Well, the thing is, when I when I'm with people, I don't often make eye contact direct. Like when I'm sitting so close, because we were sitting very close. Well, we were. We were walking. Uh, when we first, when I first, what do you met want me you? to do? When you walk with somebody, you want to fucking look sideways at the person, no, fucking trip I mean, over shit. Like, when, we, when we were looking at each other, I said, "Hey, mate, good to see you." Fucking hell, it's, I can't believe we're actually in the same city. And you were like looking over my shoulder. I'm like, who's he fucking looking at? <laughs> I was like, oh, maybe he's got a wonky eye or something, and I'm gonna go, you know, go Ted Finley. Like, I didn't want to make a joke about it just in case you did have when I'm with people I don't often like look right at them no 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 not you mean when I really like lock in with somebody and like the humor starts and we start laughing that day laughing hurt me because remember that was like I was on the tail end of a crazy cold and every time and I like to laugh <laughs> yes. Especially yeah. look at you because you're a funny guy, right? We have a good time together. Non-sexually speaking. So when you make eye contact, it, it amplifies. Like when you say something funny and look right at it. I know what you mean. It, you know what I, I mean? Know what you mean. Yeah, you can't take anything seriously. Yeah, and I was trying to avoid laughing because like, and that's so, I hate having to do that, like to avoid laughter because it's like my favorite thing. I'm also a big fan of the N64 as well. Oh yeah, so with Goldeneye, I had to convince my friends to play it because we were playing Turok. Great game. Turok looked better than Goldeneye did. It had better graphics and it was sort of smoother looking. Well, you couldn't see it because it fog. Yeah, but on the whole, it did look better. Like, I remember Goldeneye looked a bit blockier than, than Turok it did. did. I'll tell you what, it did look blocky on the tank scene. Yes. When you're in the tank, mm -hmm. there was nothing there whatsoever. It was just like a brick wall, tarmac, and a, a soldier. You shot him and that were it. Boring as fuck. So at first, I had to almost convinced my friends, like, no, you gotta play Goldeneye, like, it's pretty good. But they were still sort of more wowed by Turok. And I remember I, I played split screen with a buddy. We're in the facility. And there was this moment that just made me laugh so hard. And that's when I say about Goldeneye, what it was different about it than sort of like new uh, shooters. is because Goldeneye really was about joy. Yeah. And about, it was like a party game. It was fun. Whereas like new shooting games, they're hardcore. It's all about headshots. You have to take it serious. It's like, you have to be really good in order to have fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember Goldeneye, it was a game that people could sort of pick up and play a bit easier. It had that auto-aim, right? Like, your gun would, like, literally point towards other players, because it wasn't about... It was just about having a good time. Yeah, and there's also bits when you, like, say, in the bunker, where you'd have the sliding doors, the other guy could be on the other side, closing the door whilst you're trying to open it, but then your arm would come through the door a little bit anyway, because of the crappy, you know, like... Yeah, 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 yeah. And you could be able to shoot his arm through yeah. the door. <laughs> like, how are you fucking doing that? They were trying to get in through the door with the slider bits, and you just basically... Just, in the facility as well, you could do that. I saw the uh, the video where they sort of deconstruct Goldeneye, like the makers of Goldeneye. Yeah. And one of the things they say what kind of added to the fun was that the characters kind of looked silly. So... Now when you have sort of like this sort of more photorealism things in games like Call of Duty and stuff with the way the characters look, there is something fun about Goldeneye for the fact that they have these square heads yeah. that they run with their arm outstretched holding the gun. Remember in Goldeneye when you crouched, you just sort of slid around on your knees? <laughs> yeah. 
And it was really funny. So I had my friend over. We're in the facility. We're playing with remote mines. In that section in the facility where you kind of go to the other back room where there's like the, the sliding metal doors. Like, and you go in. There's like a pole. And then there's a, a window that has tinted glass. Yeah. So I threw mines all over the glass. But you couldn't see them from the other side until you were really close. So I'm like, hey, buddy, walk up to that window. And then he walks up to the window. And only at the very last section does the glass turn from black to see-through just to see this fucking window just full of mines. <laughs> And then I detonated and blew him up. And we fucking just laughed so hard at just how funny that was. Goldeneye brought moments like that. The funny, fun moments like that I just don't have when I play, you know, a Call of Duty. or Like, you can still get enjoyment from those games. Like, I like new shooting games. But it's a different thing. It's because it's all online now, mate. It's all competitive and showing who's at the highest score, who's number one, and the longest bloody sniper shot. Do you know what I mean? All that stuff online. Yeah, That's yeah, That's yeah. all that matters now. No, and it's fucking, it sucks because, uh... Because you're shit. Yeah, because it's not as fun. Goldeneye is a more joyous experience. But listen, we're going to listen to another track. How many tracks you got, Andy? A lot. <laughs> how many? Tell me. Tell me how many tracks. Well, we're not even going to get to all of them today. Good, because we've still got quite a few more games to go through. Uh, let's listen to this track. This is a nice track by Mickey Fleischer. This is a track called Phobos. Or Phobos? Phobos. Phobos. How would you say P-H-O-B-O-S? It sounds like a stellar thing. Phobos. 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 <laughs> anyway, here's, here's Mickey Fleischer with the track Phobos. All right.
And that was Phobos by Mickey Fleischer. And that's a, a very lovely track. I really like that, actually. It, it makes me happy. It's an emotional sort of thing. It's cool. Anyways, look, I'm back with Adam McNabb. Very good with words, Andy. Thank you. Uh, right, so yeah, what we're going to talk about next. What's the next game on the agenda, Andy? Well, how about we talk about... I was a big fan of Rare during the time of the N64. Obviously, Rare with their Donkey Kong games were really good in the Super Nintendo era. And I thought Rare killed it in the N64 time. Oh, yeah. All of my favorite games for the N64 were, you know, Goldeneye, Perfect Dark, Banjo-Kazooie, fucking, uh... Well, Donkey Kong 64 to a lesser extent, but I guess we can sort of we can talk about that. But um, I like Donkey Kong 64, apart from the last boss. Um, Conkers. Oh yeah, Conkers Bad Fur Day. That's probably in my top ten. Like I love that game. I never played it, mate. I don't think you could get it over in England because it was banned or something. It was like oh, but it's so good. Like it, it had a little wonky swimming part, but all in all, it was such a such a good game. But for me, see, Donkey Kong 64 was an extension of what they did with Banjo Kazooie. Uh-huh. It sort of played the same. It had the same sounding kind of music except they did Donkey Kong themes in there but it was essentially like it sounded the same and I felt that Banjo-Kazooie was the best like 3D platformer where like Rare would often borrow ideas from Nintendo but they would finesse them in a way and Banjo-Kazooie even though it's got certain aspects I'm not a fan of like just in terms of the some of the annoying voice samples and stuff but that game it just was a really great platforming game and I think Rare had this tendency to once they had a good thing they would always try and outdo themselves the next time with a bigger game with more options and more this and that and the N64 couldn't like handle it yeah because I remember like Banjo-Tooie they went bigger and like the game stuttered it had frame rate problems I never played Banjo-Tooie but Banjo-Kazooie was just one of those games that I didn't want to same with Mario 64 I just didn't want them to end it was so good what I loved about Banjo-Kazooie was that was the first game I ever played that did like the environmental sort of music changes so you know like the music would be playing and then if you walked like into the water the song continued but the instruments would change right and make it sound more sort of underwatery but it was still playing the same kind of teddy bears Christmas fucking theme of that game and then you know you'd walk into a cave and then all of a sudden the music would become sort of echoey a bit I was just so impressed by that like just the whole um, the whole aesthetic of Banjo-Kazooie was always really impressive the animations were great the sound design was really good and it was fun to do all the collecting the last boss was annoying as I recall I can't remember the last boss well it's that fucking witch but you had to do these really precise eggs like you'd you'd turn to the bird and you'd have to shoot eggs at her but you had to be like precise yes and it was a pain in the fucking ass. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I thought the ice levels were good as well. Rare had this tendency with... It's not that they were super innovative necessarily with the way the games played or whatever, but they would just take good ideas and then further them a little bit. Like, they would just take what what Nintendo did with Mario 64 and then sort of add to it in their own way. And Diddy Kong Racing was the same thing. Like, I think Diddy Kong Racing was better than Mario 64. No, I don't know. Well, I'll tell you why. If you're going to do that, you might as well throw F-Zero-X into it as well mate the thing that I liked about Diddy Kong was it's it, they took some of that rare stuff where like it, it had like a cool interface I liked that it had a single player campaign that was like almost story driven that seemed to go on for years though the campaign yeah it was long to be fair I do say that but I did play more Mario 64 like split screen yeah than I did Diddy Kong but I liked how Diddy Kong had the different like you had the plane and yeah that aspect and the hovercrafts and stuff like that was quality and I loved the multiplayer in Diddy Kong as well where you had to steal the eggs from people nests and 
put them in yours and, and then like steal them back before they got four eggs or what is it? I can't remember. Any, I think it was three or four eggs, I think. I can't remember how many eggs it was. It had lots of neat ideas. I think what I'm really trying to say is because when I go back and play Mario 64 or Mario Kart 64 now is the graphic style they used dated itself more than Diddy Kong's did because Mario 64 did the thing where the characters were pictures. You know, they were sprites. Yeah. More like a 2D, wasn't it, really? Yeah, they were 2D, but the worlds were 3D. And that effect dates itself a lot more than just having 3D characters. I don't know, mate. I thought it was stunning graphics, me, for Mario Kart. But I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I think you know why. Because it was kind of like an open world for Diddy Kong. You could drive anywhere. Whereas this was just like you select the course you wanted to play. 150cc, yep, do that. Select your character, bang, you're in. You're racing. Mm -hmm. Whereas in Diddy Kong Racing... You were allowed to roam around the island and change to a plane and then fly to like the lighthouse, you know, and just yeah. things you could do. There was a lot of freedom in Diddy Kong Racing, whereas in 64, it was just like, you just raced. Mario Kart 64, you just raced, and that's it. Yeah. Obviously, you had the arenas, which were absolutely amazing. I love the arenas. And I was really disappointed, really fucked up. I know we're going away from it, but in the Wii U version, they fucked up big time. And then, in the fucking Switch, they're going to add arenas into the deluxe one mm. but not update it for I don't think they're going to update it for the Wii U one which I think is an absolute absolute shit yeah I think Nintendo's trying to phase that thing out or maybe the consumers are phasing it out for them but hey let's uh, let's listen to another track uh, here is a classic Droid Bishop track this is Nightland
And that was Nightland by Droid Bishop. And I'm here with Adam McNabb from Lucasette. And uh, you were just talking about how disappointed you were with the Wii U Mario Kart. And I think Mario Kart 64 is the last one that I really liked. Yeah. Um, because I feel exactly what you've said about the Wii one. I remember when I first played the, the Wii, in the Wii U one as well, Mario Kart 8, and going like, oh, this would be fun to play, you know, with my son and stuff. And then when we went to fucking battle mode, and it was like, whoa, 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 we're, like, we got to battle on a racetrack? Like, what the fuck is this? Like, yeah. and it, and I was like, this is bullshit. So, I still love Mario 60, uh, Mario Kart 64. Like, I will play that split screen, and it's still good. Yeah. There is a simplicity to the level design itself that that I sort of appreciate but then sometimes they would sometimes be a little bit too big like I think it was still the early days of like these sort of multiplayer games and I think sometimes the designers didn't fully know what they were necessarily doing yeah. but it, sometimes that led to fun so in GoldenEye you've got maps where there is rooms that there's only one way in right like in Call of Duty you do not have that or in Battlefield, right? All the maps have yeah. to be so specifically designed that there's no place you can ever hide, which makes sense because people will camp and be shitty. But hiding can also be really fun as well. Yeah. If you've got, like, in GoldenEye, where you've got rooms where there's only one way in, so then you have those fun standoffs where there's a guy in the room and, like, all of a sudden everybody <laughs> yeah. gangs up to try and kill that guy who's got the cool spot. Especially in slap mode. Slaps only. But see, that was fun. Like, it made me laugh. Like, when someone was hiding in the bathroom in the facility and you're, like, got <laughs> grenade launchers and you're trying to, like, arc your grenade in through the door, it created a lot of fun experiences, whereas now with online gaming, every level has to have every room. There's got to be, like, five different ways to get in there so yeah. even when you're protecting one door there's always a back fucking hole some guy can fly up or whatever although Battlefield 1 is class for that though there's no hiding you can just fucking blow everything up but anyway Mario no no no, no more tracks Mario Kart <laughs> did you ever know did you do all the um, shortcuts as well did you know a lot of the shortcuts like I knew Mario some Steam. of them I was never I never fully memorized that game like I, I played a lot of it yeah but it was never the game that I fully like memorized was Goldeneye Goldeneye and Perfect Dark those are the games that I put the most time into yeah Mario Kart there was a few I think I still remember more of the Super Nintendo shortcuts, to be honest, than the uh, than the 64 ones. Well, I think they were just glitches, that's all. They weren't really shortcuts, they were glitches, you know, where you could, like, on Wario Stadium, where you'd go up to the first hill, or the first ramp, and you could, like, slide into the corner, or into the wall, and jump at the last minute, and it'd kind of hit the wall, and then you'd bounce away from it, but still carrying going forward, so you'd did almost like a double jump and you'd go into the middle and then you'd basically be in the middle of the map of the race course so you'd literally be way ahead you could be last at the beginning and then as soon as you hit that ramp the first bit you're first and like with loads of time ahead of you you could be there for like a minute and a half ahead of anyone else <laughs> it was absolutely chaos but I hated I thought the most boring and blandest level that they've done that was the highway you know when they're just all the fucking trucks and the buses and stuff I don't know what my favourite one was but do you feel as though as well like the levels like say in the battle modes the arena the, like say the skyscraper for some reason was always super quick it was like sped up slightly you know like the other, other levels some of them were like just normal racing pace you know like you had the blocks in the arena but then when you went onto the skyscraper for some reason you just and you always to, fucking uh, drive off I drove off the edge I couldn't even yeah, play that level I fucking really sucked at that one <laughs> really quick though it'd be super quick for some reason I don't know why like everything would be sped up yeah what I was thinking was we'll listen to a track and then we'll uh, we'll keep going how about <laughs> <laughs> okay, go on, hurry up, mate. Hurry up. This is a track by Collins, uh, and this is a track called Heartbreaker. Heartbreaker. 
And that was Heartbreaker by Collins. And I'm still here with Adam McNabb from Look Set talking There's about... There's a lot of artists, mate. There is. How many artists is there now in this genre? Quite a few. You know, my show's only... It's like, you know, two hours long. So it's not like Synthetic Sundays was or whatever, where they were like 10-hour shows. So I try every week to play artists that I haven't played before, like on purpose. Right. Because, I mean, I could, I could come up with a fucking playlist of my favorite artists. That would be like the easiest thing to do because the ones I love, obviously, all just have wicked tracks. I could do every week, you know, fucking here's another one by Lucasette and, you know, fucking Sunglasses Kid and Laserhawk and shit like that. Yeah, I mean, they're I, always bringing out a fucking track out, the Lucasette. <laughs> well, you know, but regardless of whatever happens in the future of you guys and Lucasette, you've still made some of my favorite synthwave songs of all time. Like, t- tonight is, if it's not number one, it's in my top five of favorite synthwave songs. It's weird, that. I don't know why I don't, I don't get how people love that so much. It's a bit weird. But it's a, well, it's a great song. You're a great guy. You're a great. You're a great uh, journalist. <laughs> yeah, so no. no. <laughs> but yeah, um, I think what we we're talking about before with Mario Kart and the uh, the different speeds. I think honestly, you're always limited by the the hardware. So I think certain levels, the more complex they were, it was just like, yep, that one just runs slower. Yeah, like that's just <laughs> that's just the way it is. Well, yeah. What other racing games did you play? Because I've got a couple that I used to play. Extreme G? I played Extreme G. That's going to be the difference, yeah, between you and I when it comes to games, is I was never, and I'm still not really, like a sports guy or a racing game guy. I like the kart racers, and I liked, um... Christ. What's the game on PlayStation where you're the clown? Christ, <laughs> Christ Racing. Yeah, Christ <laughs> Racing. You know that one? <laughs> Jehovah. Uh, God damn it. Killer... Why can't I fucking... Black. Black? Twisted Metal! Twisted Metal! Twisted Metal. Fucking Twisted Metal. Killer Black. (laughs) (laughs) So I've always liked those kind of vehicle combat games because I've always liked that element of there's still action to it. Like, I'm not huge into straightforward racing. And I think even with Mario Kart, I liked because it wasn't straightforward racing, right? You were still shooting objects at other people and getting power-ups and things. But the thing is, though, with Extreme G, you did have that. But the thing is... It got so tedious after a while because you didn't know when the game was going to finish. Because they, they seemed to be like, they always seemed to do like, uh, you've completed it on this, now do it reverse. Now you do it reverse. And then it just seemed to go on and on and on and on for ages. And it just seemed to get quicker and quicker. And I was like, what the fuck's going on? Like, I remember Extreme G was cool because it was really smooth. And futuristic. Yeah, like that in F-Zero. I remember like, the games were very simple looking, but they played at like a smooth frame rate. Yeah. Which was always neat just because I was playing Goldeneye all the time and that in Perfect Dark and those games were, you know, at their best were running at like 15 frames a second. Yeah. So it was always neat to play fucking uh, smooth games. Did you ever play Wave Race then? When it came out, I never did. I never really. Oh, like um, Ridge Racer. Wave Race is another one. It's like, although I'd categorize that as sports, I remember people I knew owned it, and I remember being impressed by the the water effects and stuff because that was the first time I had seen those sorts of effects. But the N sixty four started. I feel like Nintendo's um, elevator music thing that they've carried to this day. In my head, right, when I think about the Nintendo and the Super Nintendo, when I think about, say, the Mario themes, like, you know, the underground themes, yeah. like the in my head, right, that's a really cool song. And it could be done really cool and heavy, you know, like fucking some fucking wicked synth song or whatever. But in the N64 era, Nintendo decided to go this weird, like, elevator music route with its stuff. So I like that, don't you? Well, Wave Race, I just didn't like the sound of it. Like, I didn't like the sound of the music. Well, because International Superstar Soccer had some crazy, like, hotel elevator music, and I thought it was brilliant, me. <laughs> 
Well, see, I like cheesy music, obviously, but there's a thing about elevator sounds, and, and I feel like Nintendo, they didn't go cool. I mean, like, that's not to say that they haven't had some good soundtracks, and, like, I do like the soundtrack to Mario 64. I like the Mario Galaxy soundtracks that are done by the orchestra, and the Zelda soundtracks are great, especially the N64 ones, right? They, that's where they were at their height, I think, because I was recently playing Twilight Princess again. All right, I've never touched that. I've, I've, I've played that. Yeah, it's not uh, one of the better ones. It's off. There's just something off about that whole game. You love Wind Waker, don't you? Yes, I think I Wind do. Waker's class. Yeah, Wind Waker, and I appreciated it so much more when I played it in the HD remake because at the time, I remember when Wind Waker came out and everyone was disappointed about the cartoony art style, but since then, Wind Waker, I think, has aged so much better than... Twilight Princess and uh, and the Skyward Sword or whatever. I just didn't like the art style of those last two Zeldas. I mean, if you ever played Twilight Princess, it has a terrible opening. Like, fucking Ocarina of Time is, is one of the best games ever made. Like, it's just... And it's paced fucking perfectly. Yeah, hands down. You know, the intro isn't too long. You get to experience that open world and it opens up in this way and all you have to do when you're in that little town at the very start of Ocarina of Time, you get your sword, your shield, you, yep. that bully gets out of the way, the tree tells you the origin of the universe and then an owl says, now you get to go and you go to that open world for the first time and it's just fucking mind-blowing Yeah, and seeing the sunset and all that shit. And um, Twilight Princess, I think, was trying to recapture some of Ocarina of Time. But yeah, is that where you've got to... I can't remember what happened. I think I tried You, you turn into a wolf. I don't think I got that far, to be honest, mate. It yeah. has this intro that just kills the momentum. Like, the first part of that game, you're in a small little town running errands for people before you get to leave. You know what? I did play that. Is that one where you go to the farm right at the top? Yes. Yeah, it's bollocks. Took me too long and I switched it off. You heard goats. You have to fucking rescue a baby uh, fucking basket. Then you have to catch a fish for a cat to get a jar of milk to then go and target practice with a bunch of kids with a slingshot. And then when you finally get your sword and you're like, oh shit, now the Zelda game starts. Then you get knocked out and turned into a wolf in another dimension. And then you have to play this whole section as a wolf that doesn't have a sword and doesn't have any powers except like wolf sense and stuff. And so literally it's like fucking hours and hours. And then once you're finally done doing all the wolf stuff then you're immediately forced to do the first temple before you even get to go into the open world of the game and so to me like playing it i'm just like the pace of it is just all wrong it's just like it just the whole momentum is killed i don't want to go forward so ocarina of time is why i still look back at that one being like just so perfect it's just such a fucking perfect game it's the same with majora's mask though i could not get into that and the fact that you had three days is it three days yes to figure out what was going on I didn't like the pressure of fucking I like cause with open world things like that I like to explore and you know do my thing and, and that's why I think Zelda was just so good because it just it was just you could go anywhere do what you obviously you were limited till you progressed you couldn't get to certain points but just the mountain scene and everything was just brilliant as well the bosses were incredible yeah the bosses were awesome like that dude that uh, rides his horse out of the painting was wicked hey let's uh let's listen to a song and then we will uh, continue this because this is fun so this is outrun the world by mono memory
And that was Outrun the World by Mono Memory. And uh, Adam McNabb and I are talking about Zelda Ocarina of Time. And uh, it's funny how you can play games now that have open worlds that are like million times larger. But the story doesn't feel as epic to me as the story did in Ocarina of Time. There's something about it, just the way that you start as a kid, you play a few fucking temples as a kid, you grow up to be an adult, you see the way the world has changed while you were time traveling. And there's just this epic quality to it. Even though the open world isn't really that big when you think about new games, it still felt bigger to me. And it still does. Even when I go back and play it, there's just something about the atmosphere of that game. It feels like you're playing an epic quest. Whereas now games, you know, they say, well, it's epic because, uh, you know, the island that fucking, you know, Saber Sword 2000 takes place on is like 2,000 square kilometers. But it doesn't feel epic. It's just a big fucking map. Like, but it doesn't feel like I'm playing some sort of legend, you know? Like, Like, I don't know if you've played Final Fantasy 15 yet, have you? No. Yeah, that not as big as I thought it was going to be. Anyway, I'll, we'll talk about that another time, but yeah. Do you like that game? I, I heard good things about it. I liked it, but I was just a bit thrown by a few things. A, it took no time to finish it. I was stalling, trying to do, like, certain side quests, and it got to the point where I would literally didn't even realise I'd done 80 side quests in, like, a couple of days, and I'm like, oh, fucking hell, I was trying to, like, stall it here to try and... Uh... But as soon as you go into the main missions and stuff, it just seems to just go so quick. It just ruined it a little bit for me. The way it's like, you know, like, you know, like Final Fantasy 7 I think it's because I've had four discs I think it made out like it was yeah. like this epic fucking bible that you had to like yeah. go back from <laughs> disc 3 to disc 1 to, you know and then do this whatever you know what I mean yeah. I just felt as though it just went too quickly that Final Fantasy and it was great there was loads to doing it you know don't get me wrong it's good epic you know like sometimes as well when you play missions mm. like say Mafia 3 was fucking garbage same mission after mission after mission there was no variety sure at least with Final Fantasy 15 there was different things to do every time every mission was different and that's what I liked about it as well it was refreshing to see that yeah not just some people that just fucking dish out the same shit every time I know for a fact I can see that no Ubisoft's fucking Wildlands is going to be terrible I hope well I don't know if I, I don't hope it isn't but <laughs> I just know they just bring out things exactly the same there's no nothing different about it there's no point as soon as you do GTA 5 that's it the bar is up there you're never going to be as good as GTA 5 or you know like that sort of realistic versatile yeah versatile yeah yeah, yeah. doing it you know it just looks boring even from the, the gameplay that they showed like with the guys all talking like the division mm. it looked amazing they thought oh god this is going to be amazing nothing no I always approach every Ubisoft game my job I'm like this with all games now. Like when I when I'm watch E3 yeah. presentations, I'm just like yeah. I never get excited until I see fucking gameplay. Yeah. Because when people get excited about that, and I always say the same fucking thing, if you're watching E3 and everyone gets excited because look, it's it says you know Square Enix presents fucking Swordblade coming soon, and they don't even show you a picture, and it was like oh I'm excited for Swordblade. I'm like dude, if they didn't even show you a fucking picture, that game is three years away. Yeah. Like, if they didn't even show you anything, that game doesn't exist right now. Exactly. And then if they show you a pre-rendered trailer of, like, you know, just, like, a 3D animation, then it's like, okay, that game's two years away. Like, they didn't show you a game. When you see an E3 presentation and they are actually showing you gameplay, usually that game doesn't come out for, like, a year, and then it's delayed fucking two months, then it's delayed four months. Every big game gets delayed now, all the time. Well, especially Ubisoft ones as well. There's some Ubisoft games I really like, but I take them all as they come. I'm never super excited right off the bat. I'm like, okay, well, let's see how this fucking turns out. We actually, you know what, dude? We're out of time for this episode. We got 
gotta go. Really? Well, for this one, yeah. Fucking hell. It's been, well, it's like we, we played a lot of tracks and stuff like that. So listen, come back next week. We'll continue this conversation. Right, so part two. Yeah, we'll do a part two because like uh, we've talked about like three games. <laughs> I know. Here's my promise to the listeners and to you, Adam. Next week, let's we'll be more focused. No, we won't. <laughs> this is good. No, it's good like this though, because people like diversity. I mean, you know. So here's what we're gonna I mean, do. There's nothing we're- diverse about your channel, but. <laughs> I think that's what's, you know, that's what I bring to this. Uh... Well, here's what we're going to do. Okay, we're going to listen to another track by Daniel Van, and then we'll uh, we'll say goodbye. Yeah. So here's a track by Daniel Van. This is Illuminator. Bob Fox Pop leveling 1-6000. 337 for Bob Fox Pop. It's 3000 left turn, level 
to this tripe. <laughs> All right, everybody, tune in next week to Adam and I continue our conversation about N64 and listening to more awesome music. Yeah. This has been Beyond Sid.